going back out to the country and like my it's like made us a lot closer to some of my family and um, we've shared some pretty cool moments with them as well throughout the last few years with all being out there so yeah there's been some really good times that have come from some shitty circumstances. G'day and welcome to episode 58 of the Humans of Agriculture podcast. I'm your host Ollie Lalive and this week, we're only a few sleeps away from the Olympics. I hope you guys are excited like I am. The beauty of the short time zone between here and Tokyo means that we can spend plenty of time watching all the action. Before I introduce our next guests, I'd like to thank this episode's sponsor, LAWD, the specialists in agribusiness valuations and transactions. To find out more, you can head to www.lawd.com.au. If you're a fan of Rugby Union, these next two names should be fairly familiar for you. Louis Holland and Charlotte Caslett are both primed for their second Olympic Games. Charlotte is a defending Olympic gold medalist after winning gold with the women's sevens teams at Rio in 2016. What makes these two extra special their affiliation to farming and the path that they have been on since they turned their dreams into a reality, purchasing a property in 2016. Perspective is a beautiful thing. It allows you to empathise and understand someone else's situation or assess your own life through a different lens. When it comes to achievements or disappointments, it was the drought that not long after Louis and Charlotte purchased their farm that provided the reference point and perspective that they needed. I found this chat incredibly insightful. Both Louis and Charlotte are so down to earth. We talked about overcoming adversity, the lessons that farming has taught them, how it's transferred into their sporting lives, and we did it all with a laugh. So the question that I wanted to start off with, Louis, what are the chances of a medal at the upcoming games? Yeah, I think we'll go pretty well. Like I think before COVID kicked off, we were fourth in the world, and we played New Zealand in New Zealand, and then we got to play New Zealand and Fiji in um, Townsville. So we had a good prep. We obviously did, we didn't get a win against them, but there was a few games where we were winning, and we should have won. Um, so obviously they're going to be our toughest. We've got New Zealand in our pool, so they'll be our toughest ones. But I think we'll go pretty well. Um, it's just, you just don't know. I like, think with sevens, anyone can turn up and have a good day. <laughs> Obviously, it's a good and bad thing about it. But um, yeah, I think from a preparation point of view, we've been pretty good. And lucky, I guess, to play against Fiji and New Zealand, who don't really differ too much, regardless of, um, you know, year on and year out, they always seem to be within one or two. Can you guys tell me a bit more about, and I'm sorry if I get the name wrong, but our Chiringa Ranch, is that yours or is it tied to um, parents or, or what is it? Yes, yeah, so in 2016, Charlotte and I um, bought a little farm. So it's about 358, 20 acres uh, in southeast Queensland in Stanthorpe. Um, and yeah, we just, her parents were kind of looking at getting a little. I guess a block to stay on um, and then we were kind of looking at trying to buy a farm so we kind of went in hard with them uh, and then we just yeah we just brought a mob of he- uh, heifers and then 
kind of ticked it along and just as I was to kind of slowly build it up um, and hopefully pay a few bills along the way. Uh, and then kind of once we finished, it was finished playing. It, was, it would kind of be like a little a side hustle that we'd have. Um, it'd be kind of like, I guess, the end goal was when we finished playing footy, it wasn't, if we had the farm, we had something to do and we didn't have to, you know, necessarily decide on what we wanted to do after rugby. Um, so, yeah, just slowly kind of picked along in the background as we um, keep playing. It's a question I've got around, uh, like, oh, I suppose professional athletes, one, because I'm nowhere near it myself, but h- how much does it play on your mind, what, thinking about kind of that next stage of life or is it really just kind of in the moment and focusing on yeah traveling the world competing and hopefully winning gold at the olympics as well um i guess as you're probably in the early stages it probably doesn't draw on your mind too much you kind of just you know you hopefully you hopefully you're performing you kind of just things happen for you and then i guess as you get a bit older you kind of start trying to look um a little bit more outside of I guess, sport and how you can use, uh, I guess, probably uh, one, yeah, the financials you make within your sport, but then maybe also as well, like, you know, the world's turning to buddy um, onto social media and all that as well. So I think looking back, like, if you look at a lot of sports stars, they're not saying they weren't successful, but I think now that, you know, people are becoming more um, online and li- listening to podcasts and, you know, startup businesses, especially through COVID, you can see people have done little startup business, whether they're clothing companies or just little things that people want. Um, I think it's become more um, and more of a focus of professional athletes to try and, you know, get things started while they're still um, within their sport, um, in the media and stuff, and, you know, probably double down on what they're, what they're doing. Uh, and I guess that also takes your mind off it um, you know, it's always good to have your mind focused on something else and have a bit of a balance if you're always just drilled down and I guess focused on one thing you can come a bit blase and a bit bored um, and lose a bit of perspective with within it so um, I think for us it was good at the start and then obviously coming through the drought um, it was probably a bit stressful I think when we brought in 2016 the cattle market was, was, relatively, was, uh, was relatively high um, and then going into the drought, um, and us being in Sydney, um, you know, I'd fly up to Queensland oh, once a week, um, once a fortnight at the very last, um, to try and feed cattle. And then it was kind of a race against time to get rain, and then we didn't get rain, and then water was drying up, and then trying to sink a bore, and you know, missing holes, and then end up getting water. Um, and then I guess you look at it now, kind of coming out the other side. So. Um, yeah, I think for us it's been a big learning curve, um, not just I guess on farm, off farm, but also like our own mental state um, and how we probably look at the world and you know look at certain situations within our own sporting organisation, you know, and whether it's disappointment or achievements or something like that. Um, we've all got, always got a reference point, I guess, when you look back and you know you can experience some hard times. Or, you know, you've watched other people experience some hard times and, you know, you'd be grateful for what you've, uh, what you've got, I guess. I-, I want to ask you, I'll ask Charlotte some questions. Hi, I'm Pia, horticulture and sugar analyst at Rabobank, and I'm here to share our latest insights on Australia's vegetable market. 
Did you know in 2023, Australia produced over $5.8 billion worth of vegetables, though only 4.3% of this was exported? Like many other countries, the Australian vegetable industry relies mostly on its domestic market. In fact, only 7% of global vegetables produced are traded between countries. But we are starting to see that trend change. Global trade is growing at a faster rate than production, and countries with low-cost production are seeing the highest growth rates. You can learn more about trends in the vegetable market on our latest Rabo Research Australia podcast, Mapping World Vegetable Trade, or reach out to me via the Rabobank Australia social media channels to learn more. Questions in a second, but on that and Osper, yeah, the, the, the piece around perspective, looking at, yeah, the, the peaks and troughs of the drought and the emotions that go with it. And then also probably more recently for you, Louis, with uh, that hamstring injury kind of only a month or two months out from, from the Olympics, did, did it, has it changed your perspective of how you look at things in terms of what you can and can't control? Yeah, I think I was always pretty good at, you know, dealing with those things. Um, but even more so, I guess, when you do have a bit of, I guess, a life lesson, um, I think, you know, for us going through the drought, we kind of had, um, you know, sport to back us up. Um, and you could kind of call that like your off-farm income. Um, so we were lucky, but then I guess when you look at, you know, people that were on-farm that didn't have an off-farm because they had to stay on-farm, um, and you kind of you kind of got to gauge, you know, just how much stress they were under. Um, and, you know, you always kind of, you're in a you're in a stressful position, but you're always kind of like grateful for the position that you're in. Um, and then I think the way I look at sport, oh, I guess the way I look at life is like things happen for a reason. And for one point in time, you don't really know why, and uh, whether it's good or bad. Sometimes more likely the bad times. Um, you don't understand why those things happen, but uh, you know, tough times never last. Um, so I guess that's my mentality. Like, if, like you may as well go down swinging and not, not try at all. So, um, yeah, I think I was reflecting back on the hamstring, I was pretty confident because I, I'd actually done a few before. So I kind of knew that this one wasn't too bad. <laughs> that gave me a bit of confidence. But in a sense as well, I was kind of, well, if it wasn't meant to be, it wasn't meant to be. Um, and I guess you know, the older you get, the more that kind of sits well with you, I guess. Things don't always happen the way you want it to be. And it's like, yeah, it might be bad, but it might open up another opportunity for you or it might make your mind wander somewhere else and come up with something different. So um, I think, yeah, I think all of that kind of stacked up on top of each other with the drought and then into COVID as well. Like, I think we got double drought um, and a lot of people did where you know, we got through the drought we were kind of behind on our breeding program because we gave our cows a rest and then COVID hit us and then we we ended up getting, you know, going down to 40% of our pay for a good, you know, good 12 months. So it was kind of like back to back. Um, and then, yeah, you just, I don't know, you get, I guess through those times you, you reflect a little bit within yourself and I know it kind of just, the painting paints itself really. Um, also having friends, I guess, and family in the drought um, or on land or, you know, everywhere you kind of see different struggles um, and you kind of, you know, it's not always sad. There's plenty of happy times in them. And they're the times you kind of like, well, 
geez, if they got through that and they're there, well, then I can get through this and be here. Uh, so, yeah, I think, you know, just the kind of mindset's got to be that little bloke on your shoulders always want to try and chip you down, but it's challenging him and, you know, silencing that um, and working with him. You know, everyone's got that little third person that's going to doubt you, whether it's, you know, from an injury or performance. Um, and it's just about, you know, being comfortable with that little person um, and being comfortable with, you know, tough times. Bloody hell, a hell of a lot of perspective coming through. That's uh, It's amazing how just different people can find. Some people would just be dealt what might, might not even seem as something serious and, and can bury their head in the sand and become quite negative. But, um, yeah, it's an incredible trait to have that positivity and that positive mindset. Yeah, well, I think, like I said, tough times never last. And the more, the more like, the way you want your mind to work, um, if not everyone has control over it, and don't worry, there's plenty of tough times. But the more you can, you know, plant positivity in there, the more it's going to give you positive thoughts back. So, Absolutely. Charlotte, I'll just, I'd love to know, because you grew up in, uh, up in um, South East or Central Queensland, didn't you? Uh, I grew up in Brisbane, um, but where we bought our block, in 2016 where my dad grew up. So a lot of my family is still out there. Yeah, cool. Yeah, good. Growing up, was the lure of the country life there or, or was sporting career kind of always the path you wanted to go down? Probably sport. Um, like I went to Brisbane State High, which was like a sporty school. And I think my dad probably, like he grew up in Stanthorpe and both my parents are big sport lovers. But I think dad really sort of wanted us to do well at sport. Um, he probably never did that, but. I think he like, loves the fact that we kind of all stick with sport and yeah. So yeah, I think it was just sort of when I met Lewis and spent some time with like his family, uh, with his grandparents, they've got cattle down in Braidwood, Braidwood, which ended up being like similar country to where Sam Stork is and um, it all kind of worked out pretty nicely. And how are you feeling coming around to the, the second Olympics? You guys would be the hot favourites to win four or five years ago now, one gold. How, how's the Aussie team looking and how has the team changed, uh, I suppose, since 2016? Um, yeah, it's changed a fair bit. Um, I think we've got five girls backing up, but um, within that five, there's probably only um, like two or three of us that are like main starting players now. So we've obviously got like a good experience bench as well, which helps. Um, but yeah, there'll be a lot of young new girls that will be in our starting side and sort of looking to make an impact on the world. Um, they haven't had much of a chance due to COVID to play much against other countries. So yeah, a lot of like we don't really know what to expect, I guess. So that's probably a good thing for us. I think we've got a group of overthinkers. So the less we sort of worry about it, the better. And is it a strange time at the moment? Like, are you guys all living separately, or is everyone kind of? together in, in Sydney before heading over to Tokyo? We were together for about three weeks when we were up in Queensland um, and now we have 10 days like at our own places in Sydney to kind of wind down a bit before we go back over. Um, okay. Yeah, I think just because of like obviously quarantine at the back end of it and whatnot, they wanted to give everyone a chance to spend time with their families. But for a lot of us, most of our families aren't in Sydney anyway, so it doesn't make a whole lot of difference to a few of us. Yeah, fair enough. It was going to be a question I, I have for both of you, but I think it's probably been made a bit obvious. I was going to ask if footy players first or farmers, but given 
the farm. It sounds like Louis was juggling both there for a fair bit during the drought, but obviously footy players first and, and that's the first love and farming comes second. Is that right for you guys? Yeah, I guess so. I think like obviously we've only got a short time to make the most of our rugby careers and they can end at any moment really. So um, we're trying to enjoy that as much as we can and I think we're lucky to hopefully be able to set ourselves up while we're playing rugby to then have um, something to go to when we finish. What's the plan anyway? But yeah, I think, I don't know, Lewis probably would say he's farmer first, footy player second. <laughs> but I think I'm footy player first, farmer second. Oh, it's good. It's good to balance each other out. What, <laughs> what's the strangest way that, yeah, during an off season or preparing for, for the upcoming rugby season that either of you have trained, yeah, at, at the farm? Uh, well, Lewis loves to tell everyone that he's farm strong. <laughs> so he's good at um, carrying things or something. He's got no need for the gym. Farm strong. Yeah, he's farm strong. <laughs> but he made me and a couple of my teammates do a lot of fencing in the when we were away with COVID, we got to spend a fair bit of time up there and I think they came out to have like a fun weekend with us. <laughs> um, and they all kind of hated it by the end of it, but I think they were pretty proud that they've got a fence to say that they achieved and did, um, which is cool for them. But I don't know, sometimes you make me dig holes, that's quite challenging. Lewis usually gets to go on the drive the equipment and I'm just doing the shit job. <laughs> <laughs> just has to be done right doesn't yeah it? yeah well that's what he says usually we stuff it up so he's got to do it twice if he doesn't let or let go of some control <laughs> what is it what is it about the farm that yeah has given you um i suppose satisfaction with your full-time job of playing rugby is there something that has yeah really said about drawing perspective or something you've learned from other people in those rural communities I think like the resilience and like the ability, like not only within the people in rural communities, but the country within itself, like the ability that it can bounce back from floods, bushfires, droughts, like you just see how our country can just adapt so quickly and it's so resilient to come good once, you know, that rain comes or whatever else. And then just the way the people and the kids are always smiling and having a good time throughout some pretty terrible moments they kind of work together and come together and get through it as one and I think like going back to rugby you can kind of see the parallels between the two with like the community the community aspect and the teamwork and um, helping each other through some tough times so yeah I think and then like for me personally I guess going back out to the country and like my it's like made it a lot closer to some of my family and um, we've shared some pretty cool moments with them as well throughout the last few years with all being out there. So, um, yeah, there's been some really good times that have come from some shitty circumstances. Yeah, I bet. It's nearly being able to not quite hit pause, but that time that you probably wouldn't have got otherwise where you guys would have been travelling the world that you get, yeah. got to be yeah, somewhere definitely. where you otherwise wouldn't have been. Yeah. Question around uh, Outeringa Ranch is that what does the name mean and how did it come up? Is it a throwaway line to um, something over in America or, or what's the story behind that? Well, by the, I don't. I just call it ranch because I don't know. I like the American style, kind of like country music, and <laughs> I don't know. I, just, I think ranch is cool. Obviously, here they call them stations, uh, but 
I just kind of mixed it up. And then our Turinga, I was just doing some like random Googling one day and I typed it in, it was like an Aboriginal meaning. And it was just, it was like, um, it was like it referred to like dreaming and dream time. So um, it was always a, I guess, a dream for mine to be. When I grew up, I wanted to be like a jackaroo and go work in the, in the bush because that's what my family did. And that's what my uncles did. And they were kind of like my, I guess, my inspiration growing up. Um, and then playing, I started playing footy and obviously went down a different road. So, um, yeah, I'd always wanted to own a farm. Um, and then once I met Charlotte, we kind of, you know, agreed to buy one out there. Um, and then I, yeah, I was just on the Google machine there and just typing in different words, trying to come up with something. Um, and then, yeah, that's where it ended up, our Turinga. That's a ripper. And in terms of Speckle Park, cattle? You've got the commercial yeah. and yeah, stud herd. Well, what was the reason behind the Speckle Park? Um, actually, my grandparents, my grandparents first bought Speckle Park bulls at the first Speckle Park bull sale in Australia, and they kind of, well, back in the day when you used to read the land, they kind of there was a flat, there was, I dare say there would have been a little like a notice there for the first sale that um, I'm not sure where it was, whether it was Wattle Grove or somewhere around there. This was about twelve years ago or something, I think. Um, and they always had black, black Angus commercial cattle, and then they just had Speckle Park wolves. Um, so I kind of just followed suit and did a bit of more research on them, and you know, just worked out. I guess they were a bit slow. Well, not slow, but they're kind of just coming into into sight now. With in regards to like, I guess your um your yield weights and stuff like that, and they're starting to see good results out of the processing side of uh processing side of breeding so um yeah it was kind of just um follow suit with my grandparents but then also i guess the positive is just like the yield side of them you know how, um they're a bit of a hardier cow high marbling um and there was a bit of data to back it up so yeah, just stayed down that track and then we've only got a couple of um commercial cows i mean stud cows at the moment um that are actually going to get flushed um then we've got some frozen embryos and stuff um that are on ice at the moment um and then hopefully within the next 12 months we have rid of a an et program going um and that was kind of always something that i wanted to do um but hard to do when you're not there full time i guess so now that i'm getting a bit older um i could probably you know look down that that path and try and get that started started get it cranked up and see what see what animals i guess i can create there the two of them are certainly juggling a fair bit. We know that that was a shorter episode today. It's not quite our usual format and a couple of questions we didn't ask, which we'd love love to have. So we might have to circle back to both of them once they're back on home soil. We'd love your feedback on the shorter form version of the episodes. Is it something you want more of? Would you like, yeah, these condensed versions down into bite-sized chunks? You can get in touch with me at ollie at humansofagriculture.com or flick us a message on Instagram or Facebook. Good luck to both Charlotte and Louis next week in Tokyo. For all of us who are facing a little bit of uncertainty at the moment with the current lockdowns, I hope you're looking after yourself. Stay safe, stay sane. I can't wait to join you again next week. Thanks for your support.